0: we're here for trends bidnamic have a trends report we have a trends platform let's get into it and see what's going on so it? yeah don't worry about it i've been watching logan paul i know what i'm doing i'm getting a thumbs up from the crew relax your bad self right ugly so obviously we're here to talk about trends as i mentioned I think, obviously, we spoke a little bit before this, Liam, not to destroy the illusion, but regarding what you guys have been doing, how you're looking to grow, and the sort of ways and means that Bidnamic is doing things at present, are there any key trends that you've noticed out there in the market at present in the world of Google Shopping? yeah definitely i think there's loads of trends um kind of where to look i think there's
1: a lot of challenges around as there always has been kind of the, the rising cost per click mm-hmm. so you know the pandemic was was great in terms of it brought a huge amount of uh, offline transactions from the high street online um everyone was buying buying online but it also created a lot of businesses that were maybe offline that moved online. And, and when they move online, they go, how, how do we get customers? How do we connect to that audience? Naturally, Google Shopping makes up the majority of, of Google search revenue for, for e-commerce retailers. Um, so that's where they go to. They launch their their, their Shopify store, perhaps. They go, go onto Google and they start joining that auction and that is rising the cost per click mm-hmm. for all the other participants of that auction so i think that's one of the big challenges which year on year we hear the stats of you know more more revenue and more more uh, rising cost per click so mm-hmm. I think that's kind of an ongoing trend but certainly if we look back at the last 12 18 months that's been been pushed up quite a lot uh, because of that um, so that's a challenge so then how do you how do you how do you battle that how do you get smarter mm. at doing that so we're, we're one p- part of the puzzle which is you know getting smarter at you know that product intelligence of which products you're pushing you know are you advertising low margin products you're learning um pushing you know high margin products high converting products i think you're the other side of the coin which Mm -hmm. is after they click on that ad what do they do how do you make them smarter at converting that click into revenue so
2: yeah makes sense we've i think what we found is just to kind of follow on from that is um a lot of retailers Certainly last year they they 're shooting themselves in the foot a little bit from the from the outset in that everything just goes into sale everything's mm. everything's price first and I get that to some extent where with Google shopping it is very much lined up against you know who's who's got the lowest price something that's naturally what people click into, but people like diving into sales being first into sale and things like that, and literally cutting their own throats really because they're looking at. The neighbours and going when are they into sale, trying to beat each other mm-hmm. into it. They've moved into sale. We need to react accordingly. And really, if if none of them dived into sale, then you'd still be sim- selling a similar amount of products. I'm <clears> guessing <throat> mm-hmm. off yeah, the back yeah. of it.
0: There is one sort of issue in all this, though, isn't there? Obviously, Liam's mentioned the rising cost per qu- cost per click. Sorry. Um, there is the elephant in the room of Amazon, where they control a lot of the market. They have a massive customer base of millions, if not billions. Every every um, month going through at the site, how then are you supposed to compete with those guys who can control the price and dictate what they want to sell at? And worst case, start buying product direct in and yeah. then eliminate that supplier altogether. How do you control against that? There might be conflicting
2: opinions on this, but I think I think at a certain level of the market, I think the the race is won for for Amazon. Mm. I think in this in in the kind of low end kind of accessories. I need it tomorrow. So literally looking at my my last half a dozen purchases I've made, I've bought guitar strings, where will I go for those? You know, it's like a five pound purchase. Go go to Amazon. Bought some plectrums. That was part of the same purchase really. Mm-hmm. And then things like little accessories and things as Christmas boxes. Like go to amazon like check out all in all in one place you haven't got to you haven't got to worry about i think you get to a certain value of product Mm -hmm. and then you'll go right that's worth going through registration and things like that so you know random things last thing i didn't buy off amazon was some dog medicine so it's like these these packs these you know these multi-packs of dog medicine or whatever it's worth going through the checkout because it's a necessity Mm because the dog needs it basically so um, so that's where you've you've driven by that necessity i guess to to kind of go through the whole process of completing another checkout registering with a new company so I think the higher end purchases or the more niche purchases are where are where you're going to you're still going to succeed as a as a standalone website from Amazon.
1: Yeah, I think also it's quite interesting. There's quite a lot of <clears throat> price pr- price pressure on on Amazon in itself. In the you know winning the buy box, you've got to be the lowest price, yeah, um, and that that drives it. But actually, sometimes there's not that that many merchants for those products so actually yeah. the price you know there's loads of amazon repricing tools which go down to win the buy box they also go up so yeah you know, when there's not that much competition we assume oh it's on amazon it's going to be the cheapest and it's going to be a fair price but it's not always the cheapest so you can yeah. find it cheaper by going to google or going to other other channels to find mm-hmm. that and That's the other, other interesting thing with with google is that Whilst well, you said, yeah, it's, you've got to be price competitive, which I totally agree with. You've not got to be the cheapest. And we see that all the time that merchants say, right, we've got to be the cheapest. And they've taken that Amazon mindset of got to be the cheapest, got to be, uh, win the buy box. And yep. they've applied it to Google, but with Google, You know, don't forget, you've got to pay Google the most for Mm -hmm. that click. So you can't do that if you're you're super low margin, super low average order value because you've discounted the price down. You can't pay Google, you know, only a few pennies because you've got no margin. Mm -hmm. And that means that you get outbid and you slide down the carousel, typically five positions on Google Shopping, and you don't show up as much. You get less traffic, less sales. So quite often when we work with merchants, we'll actually look at them and say, okay, let's, you know, maybe as a part of a strategy is can we add products? Can we increase the price up? a couple of quid and actually sure your margin might not go up because you're going to give that to Google unfortunately mm-hmm. but yep. you're going to get actually more visibility, more impressions, oh, more clicks and more sales because the customers aren't always price sensitive mm-hmm. and they, there's, we, we see that around 60 to 65% of consumers uh, will, and shoppers will click on the first position on the carousel. So the most left position mm-hmm. It's known as the top impression and they'll click on there and when you ask them, why did you go for that first position? Oh, it's always the cheapest it's always the most trusted it's always the quickest mm-hmm. yeah and they think that the mindset that like amazon amazon does that hard work for you put, does the buy box filters it or it's actually on google it's not anything to do with the price or the trust or the delivery delivery speed it's to do with being willing to pay more than the other uh, retailer yeah. to get in front of them on the carousel so actually it's you know it's totally different on, on Google so it's quite interesting how these two channels play out that you know maybe Amazon isn't as price competitive as we sometimes think it is for niche items where there's lower competition and sometimes Google shopping isn't the uh, isn't as price competitive as we think it is as well so it's uh, yeah
2: definitely interesting uh, interesting insights yeah that makes sense yeah it's funny the psychology behind it In terms of like what where people are where people are clicking Mm -hmm. and where they where they become familiar from other from other websites i guess isn't
0: it well again it's taking the example of what do people shop on most commonly is amazon they use google for search they use asos for fashion whatever it may be yeah and then it's like we talk about translating that customer experience and going you always i remember you always telling us about that a search bar shouldn't be on the left hand side at the top of a website because nobody ever expects it to be there nobody sees it in like a little menu folded away it's about presenting that relevancy to them, like Liam's saying. What do consumers think of? Like, as I say, is it the top left one that is the most common one that they'll use because that's what they know. People want um, people want to fit
2: in more than anything else. I was watching some watching something online the other day about sales, and it was explaining how <clears throat> in what in what you do, if you're if you're offering something that's going to set people apart completely differently, might be more successful off the back of it. They don't want to be the first adopters to it mm-hmm. they want to basically they, they they just want to follow like sheep really essentially they want to be part of the pack um so it's they, which is why when when you're selling it's very important to do things like say these are who we work with this is this is a mass adoption of our product we've already had because no one wants to be the first. No one wants to yeah. no one yeah. wants to stand stand out from the rest really. And it's the same with same with retail. You need to fit into a certain certain way of doing things. I saw a search the other day, it was actually sat in the where chat bubble would be, mm-hmm. but in the bottom left, that was their search. So you had to click on there and then it'd activate it in the top of the site. Like really strange. And you know full well, looking at that, that their searches are gonna be way lower mm-hmm. than what someone with an open search prompting you to actually engage with it are actually gonna be.
1: Yeah. And also it's like pattern recognition, isn't it? When you go, you used to expect, you know, all the, you know, on the uh, in, independent stores, every store's unique in terms of its look, feel, brand. But actually that layout is almost a template. It'll, it should be a template. Absolutely, you, know, you yeah, should yeah. know where the homepage, you know, the, the, the icon, the brand is going to be the left. When you click it, it's going to take you back to the homepage. Mm-hmm. I remember many years ago, I built a, a scaled up a marketplace uh, for eco-friendly products, And we thought, oh, it's so cool to put the logo, you know, uh, eco-market right in the middle. And, uh, and, you know, no one knew that that was there. Uh, yeah home because yeah, yeah. suddenly you've gone out of that pattern so yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's it's interesting how yeah you get a real custom experience but actually it's a custom experience within a framework that people know where things are and how mm-hmm. to use them as well and yeah
2: yeah i think i think i mean this is touching on what we were speak, talking about earlier but i think because people have got so used to a certainly out of website there's almost an acceptance that you fit in line but there's 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 real reluctance to kind of push the boundaries and try new things. At the same yeah. time, I don't mean completely stepping out and moving your search into a completely different place. But this this acceptance that there is out there that that I mean the stats we see is I think it's 44.1 percent of people bounce off a website when they when yeah. they first land into mm-hmm. it. And We were doing the maths on it, so we were taking the the average order values from your yeah. your trends report that you pulled together. So we said 100,000 people visiting a website. That's fifty. I think it was fifty-one thousand pounds worth of value going into the site. Mm-hmm. You you yeah. lose four, You lose forty-four percent of that. I won't try and do the maths yeah. really quickly, but it's literally yeah. over twenty thousand yeah. pounds that you're losing just bouncing up your website. Yeah. You do that every yeah. month. That's just literally on bounce. This isn't even yeah. people progressing through the website. Yeah. Just on bounce, you're losing quarter of a million, over quarter of yeah. a million pounds a year, yeah. just just from that, and nobody thinking. Hang on, maybe I should be doing something different here. Yeah. To try and engage people at, at all costs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And and we totally see that with that. Uh you know, and I think that's, that that forty four percent stat is, is great, but also when you start to move to more transactional paid media like Google Shopping, like paid search, like Bing, which we which we we work on uh, day in day out, you see unfortunately that rising because you've got things like SEO where someone's put in typically a longer tail, more detailed, more descriptive term. They've yeah. gone down. They've clicked onto it through for a non paid link like SEO, and 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 the much lower bounce rate. So when you take that, it kind of skews it up the and direct. Yeah. or someone's looking for that brand, they've in sales fire or the retailer's name clicked onto it again, very low bounce rate because they've ser- actively searched it out. when yeah. you start to move into paid media and that bounce rate just starts creeping up and creeping up, and uh, yeah, it's uh, pretty scary with the combination of rising cost per click. So that bounce rate is going up, and the cost of that bounce
0: traffic is going up as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I think it's at a time as well where everybody's focused on how to be efficient as a business. Like mm. you see people talking about, like you've discussed earlier, like finer margins your cost of acquiring traffic is going up, your payments terms might be extortionate, who knows what else is going into it. And the idea is that you want to be able to control and be as effective with your traffic as you can be. So I think in this modern day and age, obviously we've mentioned there about the cost of ads rising and whatnot and obviously i think google's feeling the pinch as well would it be right in terms of like yeah. a certain size of stuff going yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah that's some like
2: something like that that was what it's
1: called <laughs> wasn't it? but... yeah i think all the tech companies are right It's uh, mm. yeah yeah i think like you always think are they really feeling the pinch they're still making you know huge amounts of profit yeah. but yeah they're, they're uh,
0: yeah still they're, they're downscaling aren't they so uh, as, as a lot of other companies are as well Yeah, it's just interesting because you think of Google as being almost untouchable to a point, and then it's like, no, actually, the real world is affecting companies even of this ilk, and Shopify's and whatnot along the road as well. Yeah. I think from what you're saying there as well, and this might just be me presuming something, it sounds like something where you've seen this coming for quite a while, in terms of this generic trend—not generic, sorry—developing trend of rising cost per click and that sort of margin thinning. Yeah. How long has this been in the works? If you don't mind me asking, would you say? Yes, yeah, so I think there's. Um,
1: I think the, everything's just a slow move of. Of I think it's just retailers need to be smarter at leveraging everything that they've got. So I think back in the day, like, I remember I built an e-commerce store. Literally, God, when like when I was a kid, literally it was like uh, Amazon wasn't even around. Mm-hmm. It was like QXL was the bigger uh, marketplace when I started on e-commerce, like as a kid. And, uh, you know, literally, I remember, like, buying the term, like, you know, head terms, like, shoes. And it was, like, pennies. Yeah. Now that's, like, literally, like, tens of, tens of dollars, right? And, like, we see clicks, like, I'm for, like, £100 or whatever. It's, like, we literally, you know, it's moved so much as more retailers have come. They've pushed up that auction. And also, unfortunately, retailers getting smarter about it means that they're, they're bringing that kind of unfair advantage. Mm-hmm. And then other retailers are starting to catch up. So, like you mentioned earlier, about you know, oh, you had to, you know, you go to Amazon, it's such so easy to check out, whereas you go to an independent store, it's oh, it's so much more effort, and that's you know, that was certainly the case. But now Shopify is the you know the number one platform, and they've got Shopify Pay. They've got they just recognise if you've ever mm-hmm. uh, shopped on another Shopify store, yeah. which you won't know you did, but you will have done. And uh, and they've now become the second largest uh, retailer. If you aggregate all their Shopify orders together, they'll be the second largest retailer online. So it, everyone's gone through it. So then it's oh it recognises you. You just check out. So what used to be an advantage having you know a better checkout mm-hmm. is now it's been normalised. All those retailers who you know might have very poor other parts of their business which haven't been optimized now have a really well optimized checkout uh, which which again makes it much smoother for the checkout increase that conversion rate so what was an advantage a few years ago having an awesome you know smooth checkout with very few steps great Mm -hmm. usability is now just been leveled and and now when people get that conversion rate improvement, they go, cool, I can now afford to spend more on ads. And it feels like all these conversion rate improvements go back to the retailer's desire, which certainly we see as grow more revenue, be, be more profitable, but typically that be more profitable is stay at the profit margin that we're at, 20, 30% yeah. after after everything, or whatever the number is, depends on the vertical. But we see, actually it's about growing the revenue, getting more volume through, so then whenever they unlock a conversion rate leap or improvement, the outcome of it is, let's spend more on the ads yes. and the only way to get more traffic mm-hmm. is by bidding more paying more for that exact same click yeah. um or again getting more intelligent about what clicks they buy and using using something like ourselves with Perch intent mm-hmm. to 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 make a difference there uh, and so again it's kind of like this arms race that's all oh, every time you get a win you don't get more profit you actually end up paying more being able to pay more maybe getting yeah. more, more revenue and more pound profit out because you're getting more transactions at the same margin but actually everything leads back to just pay, being able to pay Google more or, or Facebook <laughs> yeah, yeah. or you, whichever channel you're getting traffic from. And it's like, okay, like, yeah, it makes sense, but it's also, that's what's driving, you know, when you get a, all this amazing improvement on Shopify's checkout, that just dri- results in, uh, this a disconnected result, but directly connected is that we're now paying, you know, paying more for cost per click. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, they add on the awesome things you guys are doing, better product recommendation, exit intent, it decreases the bounce rate, improves the conversion rate, cool they'll they'll pick up the call to us and they will say great you know we can see the conversion rate's gone up and we'll just automatically be bidding more mm-hmm. to get more volume through and so it's just feels like this cycle that goes to paying google
2: more right it's like uh, or being able to pay google more so mm-hmm. uh, so they win regardless it's interesting what you say with shopify there because in that battle between all the platforms yeah. it just reasserts their dominance really doesn't it by having this by having this networked kind of payment gateway whereby yeah the more people that are on it the stronger the stronger they get. Yeah. They've already got more people on it. So yeah. anyone trying to catch them as a platform yeah. they really they're really going to have to go some. Yeah. Because yeah. that seems to be the thing where it's like if you can't you you've got to follow that clan and model that, you know, that one yeah. one click checkout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um to even compete now. So you need to have them pre-registered. So you need mass to
1: to actually to actually do that. Exactly. And now you've got Amazon Pay, which is a big big threat to Shopify, uh, because around seventy about seventy eight percent of Shopify's revenue comes from their payment fees. Mm -hmm. So and then Amazon saying, okay, well we've got all these customers on Amazon. Again, we can just give you that one click checkout, all the customer details from shop from Amazon. So now it's you can start to use that, and uh, so that's now a challenge to Shopify because that's where a lot of their revenue comes from, mm-hmm. yeah. rather than charging a lot upfront, which can put off entrepreneurs from getting started. They have a kind of success fee, which makes sense on mm-hmm. the yeah. transaction, but then you know Amazon will step into that and say, "Hey, we'll we'll offer it," at, uh, and and the Amazon advantage of all those customers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But again, I think it's, it, I believe it's good because it's leveling the playing field between an owned independent website url that you own versus just transacting on amazon so it yeah. feels like that that advantage is is amazon's opening its ecosystem through amazon pay um and other fulfillment fulfillment by amazon which can be done for independent merchants um yeah but it's all all driving it into this uh yeah i think google's getting the beneficiary of it at
2: the moment anyway Regardless, <laughs> aren't they? yeah they, they do um how how long do you see it i mean obviously we've talking about the 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 trends there we've got what what i found quite remarkable was that um for the past eight months conversion rate year and year is actually up so we're we're hitting Mm -hmm. so yeah this will be the eighth eighth month we're completing now where it's the conversion rate has gone up on sites so obviously that's that's probably a combination of people being more selective with what they're purchasing um obviously our our stats don't take into account the likes of amazon so mm-hmm. amazon's might have gone down if it's you know if, if people are um, people are acting differently with some of the low value you know mass purchases or repeat purchases that mm. you're taking off amazon but i found that quite interesting in that in the conversion rates that, and, and we're talking significantly yeah. up yeah. as well up to 10% some months um but i i feel as though in the in the next potentially next month it could be the start of the the green shoots of recovery yeah been looking at looking at the year and year stats yeah in, in terms of revenue and the the plunge happened i mean really it was january february last year so yeah. it would be interesting to see if that continues or whether whether this month we're going
0: to start seeing that that first slight slight recovery there um i think there's definitely murmurs of it that you hear like you see a lot of it on linkedin about recovery and how brands are developing obviously last year there was a lot of big name brands that sort of fell by the wayside but there's definitely space out there and there's definitely brands you see where they are developing year on year like for example there was some stats i was reading the other day and it was around the way that they were not just valuing the overall profits but it was like it's like what you've mentioned before about flipping stats on the head and actually looking at customer attention how many of these people come back to buy five times a year or something like that versus the one-off never see them again and i think that's feeding into again what Liam says, looking at more of the repeat custom, using that budget smarter to create a customer and then working it like harder the relationship, I suppose you'd say. It's, it's kind of, I guess what I preach quite a lot is that
2: you've got to look at today's money and then tomorrow's money. Okay. So these it's it's one thing winning a customer, taking their email address and actually trying to get them to purchase whether directly or through abandoned orders and things like that, driving them back into the, into the, the site to convert. And then you've got tomorrow's, as in the the lifetime value of that client, and more importantly, looking at looking at your your own business and the the value your your potential exit value of that business. Yeah. Yeah. So understanding what that list because when it, when an investor comes along or someone that's going to purchase your purchase your business, they want to know how many customers you've got. Yeah. And I think people forget this. Mm-hmm. They they want to know that you've got a hundred thousand customers or this many this many repeat purchasing customers. That these are important factors when you come yep. to exit the business. So when someone's looking at looking at you know their their paid their paid search and they're saying, right, I'm paying sixty p a click for this," and I feel as though the margins are quite tight in it. And they need to look broader. They yep. need to look more yep. long term with it and yep. look at what is this driving me long long term. Which I yep. think people just get they get they're a bit blinkered with it. They're a bit short sighted with it, I should say, where they're just looking at what's that going to generate me this afternoon yep. in terms yep. of sales. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. This is like a, a
1: discipline that we're we're preaching, I guess, uh, and, and delivering for our customers, which is, we call it product intelligence. So it's like, if you look at that product, what can you attain? What can you understand from it? So there's kind of overt things about the product itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also like the margin. So, you know, you might have two products that are both 20 pounds, but one is 50% margin, one's 10% margin. Yeah. So you, you, know, you can definitely can't afford to put them on the same return on ad spend, or the same target because you know, there's not the profit there despite them looking very similar um, just because of the margin there's also then like you said the lifetime value mm-hmm. um, so how what's the the recency the frequency mm-hmm. of, of the purchases so that that one that's much less profitable in the short term might be an item that they keep replenishing keep coming back and be a beauty product keep coming back and coming back mm-hmm. um, we also see gateway products where somebody clicks on an item which might be low value, might be low margin, but actually that's not what they buy or or they build a basket all around that. And it's a much bigger basket, much higher value. If you just look at that product on its own, you would say, why are we driving? Why are we spending money on that? when it's so low margin and so low value. because it's a gateway product and and inversely you get high margin items high value which then decrease down so i think it's really like looking at this uh this uh, element of intelligence of of the uh, and also what business you want to become so if you say right we really want to become a a running business you know build our running customer list why are you why are you treating it the same as someone buys a kayak from you um so again like that company's vision and of the type of customer they want to they want to build and want to retain and you're yeah. coming back to Amazon. It's like that's the difference between you know two entrepreneurs that build a business one on Amazon where Amazon owns the customer details, the customer relationship. You know I'm sure none of us can reference the last merchant's name that you bought your guitar strings from. Might have been an independent merchant. We have no idea. We no relationship. Yeah. Uh, and that's the difference. Is like you could have the same revenue and profit, but you're massive lower valuation because you don't have those customer lists. You don't have that identity, um, and you're not built that brand, um, which is synonymous with with
2: direct to consumer. Yeah, but that's why I'm, I'm always I'm, I'm always recommending people diversify from just being the Amazon seller, being yeah. the eBay seller. Obviously, you've got all these different channels which help turnover, yeah, which they yeah, they yeah. in turn help your buying power yeah, with certain yeah. brands. But overall, you need to be building your own brand yeah. over time. It's yeah. no no use because Amazon. Yeah, the reality is, competitor comes online that that undercuts you. Potentially, yeah. it's game over for your business yeah. straight yeah. away. So that's that's the that's what we're trying to instill in people is yeah. that is that is that growth of your own brand really
1: yeah. Yeah, I remember uh, being in a coffee shop with an entrepreneur who'd built a very big e-commerce business and at the time I was in e-commerce as well, building, building a, a retail business and he he showed me, remember, it was this day, he flipped up his laptop and he was like, we're talking like million, million pound turnover a day business, very, very big entrepreneur from from London and he showed me and he's like, this is, you know, this is my business, he showed it to and I remember there were two stack charts and one was maybe 30% and one was 60% and he said the 60% was return customers. The 30% was net new customers that day, yeah. and my mind was blown at the time because mm. you know I was just acquiring customers, maybe a tiny yeah, percent yeah. where I thought I was treating like revenue from the newsletter, you know, seeing that are oh, we making a profit on our newsletter, our email, so, you know, tool sending those, and treating a bit like a channel. And he yeah. was, he'd been able to build a high, you know, again, he built a business in a high retention, in a passion business, where people were coming back. Done a great job at that through content, through commerce as well. And and it's just like, wow, like that is why your business is what it is. Mm. Because even if you stop spending that on Google, on whichever channels you're spending on, you would still have sixty percent of your revenue that day.
0: Which is just amazing. Wild, isn't it? I think we'll wrap this up now, but we do have one final question, Liam. What have you got planned for twenty twenty three? not yeah. in a personal sense by the way <laughs> uh, in a business sense yeah, yeah. so a bit dynamic so we've got um yeah so we um
1: last year we took investments which is from from gresham so that's really exciting and has allowed us to to take bets to grow bigger to be more ambitious we're already a sustainable business before that so it's really about doubling down on, on growth. Uh, and that's kind of twofold. One is growth of, of customers working with more brands, more retailers, um, moving into the US. So we've got an Austin office, which we launched there um, mid last year, we've just uh, doubled that in size this month in January. Um, so that's really exciting. So that real journey of scaling up their, their US, we also have a really close relationship with our clients. So we've got our first client success team building out there as well in, in Austin, um, so we can service businesses locally. So it's again, scaling up uh in the us we've got loads of trade shows events we're going to which is exciting again big focus on the us and and also products so we've got a really we've been working tirelessly on new product uh innovations using this product intelligence area that we are and applying it um, to other channels, but also looking at other uh, areas that we can add value for that, that uh, customer acquisition piece. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I've got some really exciting products that we're going to be launching over the next uh, and bring to market over the next few months as well. So, watch that space this year. All systems go. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>